You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well, Matt, it is time to continue with the trial of choices. Here is number 16. It is called Unworthy of Life. A chance encounter with a mysterious woman in Migsbrook leads to her making a strange and unsettling request. The woman tells you, tells you that she has been tasked with killing a man whose countless crimes are too vile to describe. He is a veritable beast in the guise of a man, she says. He's utterly unworthy of life. And a danger to all, ha- all who have the misfortune of making his acquaintance. She tells you the man spends most of his time drunk at the Blue Barrel Ale House and offers to pay you handsomely if you succeed in sipping a few drops of deadly poison into his ale. Hmm, so, the thing is, she hasn't really given me any evidence he's really, he's actually bad. None at all. Hasn't even said what he's done. Just said it's really, really bad. (laughs) Yeah, so I can't, so I can't really accept the path and poison the unsuspecting man unless you know bring in some witnesses or something and I if I could inform the man of the sinister plot against him or just refuse the task I guess I'll inform the man of the sinister plot against him your decision is made after refusing the task you make your way into the blue barrel alehouse 
and locate the man the mysterious woman wanted you to poison. The man whom you discover is an a venerable official of the Wither Girl thanks you and staggers out out of the alehouse, babbling incoherently about tariffs, assassins and the recent weather. Your every thought is certainly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes into a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny dilemma. 37, no, 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 wait, 17, savagery and honour. Without a second thought, you charge to the aid of a small group of Felizanese knights, struggling to, struggling to fend off a savage goblin horde that's nearly succeeding in overrunning their remote outpost. Your unexpected appearance in the midst of the melee helps to turn the tide of the battle. Many of the goblins flee into the forest, leaving behind their chain-clad chieftain and a handful of his elite kin. The chieftain, a fearless and deadly combatant, slays three knights with his stone axe as he fights to break off their beleaguered line. Suddenly, you're presented with the opportunity to attack the chieftain from behind. You're certain that if you remain undetected, you'll be able to to fell the gruesome goblin with a single blow and shatter the resolve of his remaining warriors. So, do I decide against attacking him? Do I attack him from behind? Or do I honourably challenge him? Hmm. Because I've never really been, been much for the honour thing. I mean, at least not unless a promise has been made, then that's different. But no promise has been made. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't discuss this battle beforehand. This, we, this is an unofficial duel, oversigned. That there's, it's, 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 it's just regular war, and most is fair in war. Most. So I'll just attack him from behind. Your decision is made. Your attack from behind is swift and brutal. As the goblin chieftain sinks to his knees, blood pouring from the grievous wounds that marks his back, he turns and locks eyes with you. In the next instant, he pitches forward, his face striking the stony ground as he draws his final breath. Your thoughts suddenly turn to faces and voices lost in the dim haze of the distant past. Your head swims as your sound you slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance, confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Number 18. Ascription. In the chamber of seven stars, before a gathering of his court, the arch made of Calbrick presents you with an enchanted, gem-encrusted amulet in recognition, recognition of your successful recovery of a magical staff that has long served his illustrious line. As those gathered erupt in applause at the sounding of your name, you catch sight of Illigar standing at the back of the crowd. The young 
timid spellcaster, often the target of the cruel humour of others, was your reluctant companion on the quest, and proved instrumental in the discovery and retrieval of the staff. Without Odegaard's help, help at several critical junctures, you're certain the staff would never have been recovered. So, do I say nothing? Do I just privately thank Elagor? Or give Elagor the credit he deserves before the court? Honestly, I think I kind of have, I sort of kind of have to give him the credit after all. I, I got lots of accolades. I can, I can afford to give up. A, I can afford to share some. And anyway, this, he helped. If he, if he, if he if he did the work, he should. He did the work. He should get some of the credit. It's just fair. Give okay, and I will. Your decision is made. The court is at first silent, but then erupts in applause <laughs> as you properly credit Elagar for his invaluable role in the quest to retrieve the staff. The mo. The mo. The modest apprentice's eyes light up, and his face turns to a brilliant shade of crimson as you present him with the gem-encrusted amulet you just received. Years from now, Archmage Ilogar of Calabric will present the amulet to another young soul, timidly seeking their way in the world. Well, that, that worked out. The earthly thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny dilemma. Innocent Delusions While passing through a small settlement, you encounter a young lad proudly boasting to his friends and anyone else who will listen about the heroic exploits of his father who's part of a regiment of soldiers fending off goblin incursions on the kingdom's eastern border. As chance would have it, you've just returned from the border and are familiar with the, boy, with the boy's father, a hopeless drunk. A hopeless drunk who's just been cast out of his regiment for cowardice and dereliction of duty. Hmm. So do I privately tell the boy about his father? Do I say nothing? Or publicly tell the boy about his father? Now, if I publicly tell him, he will be humiliated. And, pro and probably ha have probably be shunned, perhaps? That, that, that. Now, probably... May generally lead to a bad time for him. Hmm. So I can privately tell him. I mean, I don't, I don't want him to, to keep telling a lie because the more lies you tell, the more damaging it is when the truth finally comes out. Okay, I'll privately tell the boy the truth about his father. The decision is made. You take the boy aside and privately explain to him learned about his father. He refuses to believe anything you have to say. Months later, having completely abandoned a drink and served honourably in his regiment, 
The father, his father returns, returns home, wounded, decorated, and with deserving of the hero's welcome he receives. Ah, well, that that turned out all right. Now, I don't know. I don't think anything I did actually helped with that, but it might have. Your thoughts suddenly turn to faces and voices lost in the dim haze of the distant past. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes into a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny dilemma. Number 20. Lessons Learned the young lass, those nimble fingers, nearly succeeded in relieving you of your coin purse, squirms and curses at you as you tighten your grip on her wrist. The two, the two guardsmen, apparently having witnessed the thwarted act of thievery, rush over and take custody of the child. As the guards turn to leave the crestfolded pickpocket in their, their charge, the young woman flashes you a pleading look and silently mouths what you believe is an apology. So, I could allow the guards to haul off the young thief? Now, hmm, this is medieval times. So presumably, the punishment would be ridiculously harsh. Probably. Ask the guards to release the girl into your custody. Or ask the guards to let the lass go. Hmm. I'm going to go for the middle one. Your decision is made. After a bit of careful persuading, the guards agree to release the child into your custody. Before allowing the lass to scamper off, you spend just a few moments offering some words... Words of wisdom your hopes you'll take to heart years from now. A, f a famous adventurer will fondly look back on the time she met and was inspired by the great and noble soup. Oh, that worked out. Your every thought is suddenly bent on things you that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes into a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny twilemma. Underbelly exposed. In Trumador, you uncover a shadowy confederacy comprised of a handful of city officials and a trusted advisor to one of the kingdom's thanes. You discover the sinister cabal is working hand in hand with the Night Whisperers. A fearsome brotherhood of thieves braced in Wazal. And there's a link for the Night Whispers. I'll read that now. This fearsome brotherhood of thieves is thought to exist in many towns and cities across the North Broadlands. It has long been known that the city of Wavenliff, in the kingdom of Wazal, to the east of Telsa, to the east of Telsa, is the origin and base of operations for this vile organisation. The name Night Whisperers comes from a long-standing tradition where the guild's assassins whisper into the ears of their victims, either just before killing them or while they lay, lie dying. 
The Night Whisperers is a highly secretive organization. No member of the Brotherhood ever communicates or even knows anything about any higher station within the guild. At the highest station stations within the guild, face-to-face meetings are rare and in most cases forbidden. Members of this elite tier communicate through a series of complex codes, sometimes written, sometimes less obvious. These codes and messages are left where the intended receiver will discover. Or they are delivered by a liaison who knows nothing about the business being discussed. At one time, the organisation employed a band of highly skilled woodsmen and warriors known as the Blackheart. The Blackheart was considered the true muscle of the guild and was often called upon to combat the Brotherhood's enemies. Jig Ulroth, now better known by his moniker, the Troll Hunter, was once the leader of the Blackguard. The Night Whisperers is a powerful and feared organisation. Few are willing to speak openly against the group, lest they should suffer a grim reprisal for their insolence. Alright then, this is a selection of very, very bad dudes. Who, do, who probably never save any presidents. The web of corruption and deceit spun by the treacherous league extends into nearly every corner of the city and appears to control most aspects of Trumdor's governance. So here are my options. Attempt to blackmail the Confederation? Now, I don't think the Night Whisperers are the sort of people who respond. Who respond to blackmail with anything other than stabbings. Admittedly, stabbing me is... Stabbing, well, Zoop is very, very difficult. But Zoop does sleep sometimes. And he does have friends. And, and friends and and comrades, and presumably a family somewhere, and they're a lot easier to stab. So, or I could seek to take part in the unscrupulous enterprise. Uh, no, no, not doing that, not doing that. Or, publicly expose the sinister confederation. Admittedly, this could lead to a counter-attack, but... They're going to be doing bad things anyway. So, publicly expose them. Your decision is made. Your bold decision to expose the Confederation leads to great upheaval in Trintmoor, during which even more members of the Shahri organisation are revealed. Ultimately, the nefarious agents of the group are either killed or galed, and the whole they and their sulking allies had over the city is broken. In the months that follow the group's dissolution, you've now only survived several attempts made on your life by would-be assassins. Well, that that was to be expected. Yeah, that's I'm okay with that option. Your every thought is certainly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. It's not like, as an adventurer, you're n- there's any period where people 
aren't trying to kill you. Well, people, monsters, or automatons. Something is always trying to kill you. It, it's it's right it's right there in the job description. You know, must be willing to have things constantly trying to kill you. Must be a bit, must be a bit of a kleptomaniac. Your every thought is subtly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes into a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Don't let them catch me. While stepping out from beneath one of the grand arches leading into Trithic's Blade Square, you spot a pair of guardsmen swiftly pursuing a young girl. The nimble, fleet-footed lass dodges in and out of the midday throng that fills the quadrangle as her pers determined pursuers steadily fall behind. As the girl reaches the arc, she suddenly ducks behind you and and pleads for you to keep her hidden. Moments later, the two guards appear out of the crowd and rush towards the arch, passing perilously close to their now concealed quarry. So, I can hide the child and then move on. Reveal the child to the guards. Hmm. Well, the thing is, I, I spared one child a few questions back, so I kind of have to spare this one or hide the child and determine the reason for her trouble. Uh, yeah, that's probably the sensible one. You keep the guard hidden as the guard, girl hidden as the guards pass. Once they've gone, you ask the lass why it is she was being chased and learn that she has been stealing food to help feed her ailing father. You take it upon yourself to repay the merchants from whom the food was taken, and then provide the girl with enough gold to feed her sickly father and tend to the indisposed man's need. Needs your every thought is suddenly bent. Things that haven't yet been, and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place, and circumstance confronts you with another thorny trilemma. Number 23, a lone survivor. Hired as a guard for a wagon of prisoners being transported to Talonus to face justice for their crimes. Your skills are tested when you come under attack by a band of roughnecks loyal to your captives. A fierce battle ensues during which the driver the four other wagon guards and all but one of the prisoners are killed. The lone surprising prisoner who, much to your astonishment, fought valiantly at your side against the man, men who attacked the wagon, pleads with you to let him go free. Despite his valour during the skirmish, you know the man to be a murderous thief who likely faces the hangman's noose upon arrival in the capital. Okay, so three options. Deliver the prisoner to face justice and talonus. 
killed the doomed prisoner here and now. I, I don't really see any reason to do that. Or allow the prisoner to go free. Now, the thing is, these roughnecks are loyal to the captives. So, if these roughnecks have won, and they presumably they could have tossed him a weapon at some point if he had not fought against them. I thought, presumably, he fought against them, he had a weapon. So he could have fought me. Yes, and, well, okay, admittedly that would have ended badly for him, but he was doomed anyway. His, his pretty much his only chance of survival was to, to slay everyone in this caravan and escape. But he didn't do that. He didn't take that chance. He thought against these He fought against the people... Who were attacking, attacking me and everyone else. Hmm. You know what? That could well count as a penance. I'm going to allow this prisoner to go free. Your decision is made. You tell the prisoner he's free. And the grateful man thanks you before swiftly departing. Years from now. Those the former thief whose early life was one wife with deceit, misdeeds and violence looks back on his more heinous acts for which he struggles to atone with deep remorse. Your every thought is subtly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place, and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny dilemma. Twelve, here was twenty-fourth, a tale of two maps. Maps. A bout of friendly competition between you and a fellow adventurer is resulting in you each acquiring a map that you believe now shows the way to the hidden westing place of a legendary magical shield. However, having stolen a peek at your rival's map, you discovered that it would lead him to a place you previously explored, a, a cave filled with deadly terrors he will likely not survive. Alright. So, allow your rival to follow his map into peril. Okay, that, that's... That doesn't seem like a nice thing to do. Reveal what you've discovered to your rival, or suggest you both use your map and share any spoils. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it? Hmm. I think he's going to be sort of suspicious of the third option, because... No, 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 he wouldn't, would he? Because I'm sharing the spoils. Third option, third option. 
your, your, your decision is made. Your wife is taken aback by a sudden and honest revelation about his map. He agrees to your proposal, thanks you for your generosity, and your two of you set off together in search of the magical shield. This, scared, this shared excursion proves to be the first of countless profitable ventures which the two of you will tackle together over the years to come. Yet every thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny dilemma. Trilemma. A trial of choices, number 25. A dragon hunted. A trio of experienced dragon hunters arrive in town early one morning, seeking to locate the hidden lair of a dragon that's responsible for a deadly attack on a wagging caravan. As you listen to the men describe the gruesome incident, your heart skips a beat. You met and befriended the very dragon they're talking about only a few days ago, when the ancient creature swooped in to defend you from a forest troll ambush. After devouring the troll, the dragon invited you to his carefully concealed cave, and the two of you enjoyed a lengthy and insightful conversation. Aware of your reputation as the adventurer, uh, reputation adventure, the hunters ask if you've heard anything about a dragon taking up residence anywhere in the nearby forest. Okay, so I have a few options. Say nothing. Join the dragon hunters on their hunt. Or betray the location of the dragon's lair. Hmm. Hmm. I don't think it is. I don't. Did this wagon attack actually happen? Hmm. Now, the thing is. That dragon is now my friend. And you don't betray your friends. So uh, so I'm not going to hunt them down. And I'm not going to try. I guess I say nothing. Your decision is made. You say nothing about your encounter with the dragon. Leaving the hunters to search for the lair on their own. Days later, the hunters stumble upon the dragon's empty cave. The dragon... Though sudden friendship with you forever altered its opinion of humanity, never again afflicts the realm of man. Oh, that's nice. Your every thought is suddenly bent on things you haven't yet, haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. No better brew. The burly innkeeper, nearly breathless after spending the last several minutes extolling the virtues of what he's boastfully referred to as his best ever autumn brew, sets down before you a tall, frothing tankard. A dozen patrons, their curiosity piqued by the landlord's colourful descriptions of the owl's unique and remarkable prophecies crowding around the table at which you're seated, eager to see if your opinion of drink will match that of his exuberant brewer. 
you hesitate for just a moment, glancing up at the faces glaring down at you before taking a long, low sip. Putrid. It's all you can do from keep from gagging and forcefully expelling the foul liquid from your mouth. In fact, you're inclined to believe that water from a horse's trough will prove to be more palatable. So, three options here. Decline to give him... Decline to provide him with your opinion. Give him your honest and poor opinion of the ale. Or lie and shower his ale with glowing praise. Hmm, well, well, I, I don't, this doesn't seem to be anything at stake here, I mean, but it's terrible, if the brew is terrible, he might as well learn it now, before he start, starts making too much, before he commits too deeply into making lots of it. So it's really, I'm, I'm helping him out by telling him his ale is terrible. Okay, give him your honest and poor opinion of the ale. Your honest and negative appraisal of the ale brings a broad smile to the innkeeper's face. You're startled to learn the ale you've just tasted is the brew from a rival inn, and your assessment has solidified the innkeeper's opinion that his ale remains the best to be had for miles around. Well, I'd like to have some of that ale too then. You know, just just to be sure. And also, it's ale. Ale is nice, apparently. Your th- every thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Gravely wounded. You aid, you aid a rugged band of fellow adventurers as they track down and confront an ogre suspected of attacking travellers along a lonely stretch of road near the city of Pakwar. In the ensuing melee, the beast nearly kills two of your party members before sustaining a grievous wound and taking flight into the thick of the forest. Unwilling to allow the ogre to escape, you and your companions split up and search the tangled wood. Not long after, you find the ogre taking shelter in a stony hollow. The fearsome creature is gravely wounded and near death. The ogre, lacking both the strength and will, will to fight, pleads with you to mercifully end, your, end his life. So... Three options now. Kill the ogre. Or ogre? Og? Well, however it's pronounced, as he requested. Urge the ogre to make his escape. Or alert your fellow searchers. Hmm. Hmm. Thing is. He's probably not going to survive if he makes his escape unless he gets very lucky. Okay, I mean, he's asked for death, and I was going to give him it anyway, but since he's asked, kill the ogre as he's requested. You 
decision is made. The ogre draws back his broad, knotted shoulders and closes his eyes. A single death strike is all it takes to end the creature's life. As his bulky, lifeless body slumps to the ground, the sounds of the approaching search party reach your ears. Your thoughts suddenly turn to to faces and voices lost in the dim haze of the distant past. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. The way of the wolf. Deep in the tangled heart of the forest you come across a wolf caught in a hunter's snare. The creature snarls viciously as you approach, but quickly abandons its bravado and begins whimping pitifully as it ignores the thick rope binding its back legs. Without your help, the wolf will surely die in the trap. However, as you look upon the wolf, a haunting premonition invades your thoughts. You vision yourself setting through the wolf, only to have the creature later later attack and kill a pair of travellers in this very wood. Now, considering that I have a divination skill of 71, that vision is probably pretty solid. So, I could leave the wolf to die in the snare. Now, that's just a that's just a bit of a jerk move. Free the wolf from the snare, which could very well result in other people dying. It seems pretty likely since I just had that vision. Or kill the wolf and end its misery. That's probably... Yeah, probably for the best, I guess. Number three. Your decision is made. A swift, well-placed blow kills the wolf. The creature will no longer suffer in the merciless grip of the cruel snare. Yet every thought is suddenly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes into a time, place and circumstance confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. Number 29. Without hesitation, you and three of your closest adventuring companions accept the lucrative task of guarding a merchant caravan as it winds its way through the rugged foothills of the southern Thurudian range. Near the wagon, near the remains of a long abandoned outpost, outpost the train, the train of wagons is ambushed by a savage band of mountain goblins. A powerful, sh- a powerful shaman leads the fierce horde and launches a deadly flame attack that swiftly engulfs the wagons, killing many of the passengers outright and trapping the others inside a pair of burning coaches. Having narrowly escaped from one of the wagons, you are suddenly faced with a grim decision. To the left, the desperate cries of your of your companions wing out from within within the firing golf wagon. To the white, inside the blazing remains of the coach, the terrified shrieks 
of a group of people unknown to you rise above the ghastly wall of the flames. There isn't enough time to try and save both groups. Oh no, oh no. Hmm. So, who do I save? I could rush to the aid of your companions. Or rush to the aid of the unknown passengers. Or, I could hurry away from the blazing wreckage. Well, okay, not that one. Definitely not option three. That's not, that's not heroic at all. So, do I save the people I know? Who are presumably capable on their own. Hmm. I mean, the the thing that the fact the the cry out for help, which means they probably can't get out on their own. Hmm. Or I could save the people in in the in the heavy coach who I don't know. Hmm. How curious. The good thing is, I don't know how many people there are. Because if I mean, if I knew, you could, uh, I could just, just save the biggest number of people. I guess, but hmm, yeah, hmm, hmm. It's a toughie. Hmm. I guess I'll rush to the aid of the unknown passengers. Your decision is made. You manage to free the trapped passengers scant moments before a billowing inferno consumes the twisted wreckage. Working furiously, you and four of the people you per pulled from the burning wagons manage to rescue your companions. Oh, phew. I didn't, it turns out. I didn't have to choose who lives. Because everybody lives. That's nice. Your every thought is suddenly bent on things you haven't yet seen and, and may never come to pass. Your head swims as the surroundings slowly come back into focus. The scene around you swiftly changes to a time, place and circumstance that confronts you with yet another thorny trilemma. trial of choices. Here's the thirtieth one. A bully's fate. Brathgobar, a notorious cad, an unrepentant bully. Those long standing campaign of terror has recently afflicted profound harm on the village of of, Dov, of Dovledge has recently escalated his unprovoked and violent harassment of its exasperated citizenry. The torturer's latest outrage include publicly humiliating an elderly man who accidentally stumbled into him and breaking the arm of the village smithy after ma first making lewd, derisive comments about his wife. You learn that Bra Brathgobar's antics while pass of Brathgobar's antics while passing through Doveledge on your way to the eastern region of the kingdom and immediately take tempted to take the matter of the bully into your own extremely capable hands now so three options once again diplomatically
convinced the bully to mend his ways, urged the populace to rise up against their tormentor, or teach the bully a lesson using his own brutal tactics. Now, the thing is, I don't... I'm not quite sure the diplomatic thing would work because I mean just because someone says they're gonna do something and even if they do mean it at the time even if they sincerely mean it at the time they might just not be able to keep it up and of course the lesson you do is my own brutal tactics it has the thing I'm going to leave. I'm not going to be there for very long. And the, mo- and the moment I'm gone, he'll just be able to go back to normal. Unless I kill him, of course, but I think that's maybe a bit much. And also, that's not one of the options here. So, hmm. I guess is urge the populace to wise up against the tormentor. I think that's most likely to have a permanent effect. You know, I don't mean killing, but, you know, to, to keep him on the straight and narrow. Alright, your decision is made. You gather most of Dofled's citizenry in the village meeting house. I suggest they band together to take action against Barfagar. Urged on by an inspiring word, a group of the group of villagers immediately sets out and apprehends the notorious bully. After an episode of rough treatment at the hands of some of the victims of his tormenting, Brathgobar is placed in Dovgleg's seldom-used stocks and subjected to an entire day in the wall of a squirming target for over-ripened vegetables. Brathgobar wants the terror of Dovgleg never again inflicts himself upon another living soul. Well, that worked out. With your every thought, your every thought is subtly bent on things that haven't yet been and may never come to pass. Your head swims as your surroundings slowly come back into focus and you find yourself standing on a broad slab of grey stone, floating in the mist of in the midst of a black void. A faceless man, garbled in a blue tunic, his features hidden behind a smooth sheet of taut grey skin, bows deeply. Are you satisfied with your decisions? he asks, with only a slight movement of the skin in the place in the place where his mouth should be. If you have any doubts, you'd be wise to give voice to them now. I could send you back to make them all again if you desire. It, it is all about what you desire, is it not? So, I can say I'm satisfied with this set of choices, or ask to make another set of choices. Which means going through all 30 of those choices again. Admittedly, it's probably going to be a bit quicker the second time round. Well, especially if you know, you're playing yourself because you've read it all. So you don't, you don't, you just need to go, oh, it's that one. 
It's that one. Okay, that didn't work out. Maybe that one. And oh, okay. Uh, oh, that one. Yeah, I like that option. I'll take that and so on. I mean, it quicker. It would still take a while, but it'd be a lot quicker the second time through. You know, as it usually is. But, but no, I'm not. But I want to sort of carry on with this adventure, and yes, and you do get different. You get a different result for each option you choose. So. There's a hundred and twenty. There'll be a hundred and twenty things to to look at in that section. So it'll probably take about two hours just to read them all, and, and that's manually. It took about two hours so to do it now, but it's slower because I'm saying them physically and blabbling on between them. All right. I, I'm not satisfied with my set of choices, but I'll take them anyway. Say so you are satisfied with your set of choices. The faceless man laughs, though his voice suddenly, suddenly sounds distant. Am I to believe you, he cries. How absurd. Satisfaction and contentment don't suit you. But I suppose you must know best. Oh, what a puzzle you are. For a moment, the faceless figure falls silent before abruptly addressing you in a more sober tone. Then it will be so. You need only state again that you are satisfied, and we'll be done with it. So, once again. So, yeah. So, I this is another option to go back and do the 30 choices all over again. Presumably, you could... You could, you could just go through them as many times as you want. Probably, I mean, if you're going for completionists, you probably want to go through them at least three times. You know, so you can see all the results. And then you can choose either the, the one you're most comfortable with or the one you think will have the most interesting effects going forward. But I... It will take it will take ages for us to do that, and well, I, I want to I want to leave some things for you to find out when you play it yourself. So, say you are truly satisfied with your choices. I'm not, but I'm not unsatisfied enough that I want to do the entire thing again and spend another two episodes doing that. Okay, maybe not two episodes, but at least one. Truly satisfied. Excellent. Cries the faceless man as you again state that you're satisfied with the choices you made. There will be no more doubt about that. Here, this is something you'll need. The figure steps forward and hands you a stone wing. A glowing blue sigil adorns the flattened top of the thick band. It's a stone sigil wing. Let's have a look at it. Alright, melee weighting plus four, stamina weighting plus four. Pretty decent. A blowing a glowing a blue glowing signal adorns the flattened top of this thick stone wing. A signal A signal depicts a pyramid of skulls. Ooh, that's like in the mad. You were given this wing by a faceless man. 
A little remembrance of our meeting, he says as he steps away. It will protect you in the darkest, most desperate times. Even in places where time no longer has any meaning. It will protect you from yourself. And from the consequences of measures taken where courage fails you. You would be wise to wear it. Okay, then I guess I will. Okay, time to equip this wing. Unequip the band of Gorza. Equip the stone sigil wing. Presumably that's another one of those items that helps out with, if not the checks here, then at least the results of them, of all the whispered madness stuff. Suddenly, the sheet of smooth grey skin covering the man's face melts off, revealing a visage familiar and terrifying. In the next instant, however, the figure vanishes, and you find you are no longer able to recall the face to which your weary eyes were fleetingly witnessed. Before you can further contemplate your bewildering inability to remember the man's face, your surroundings again spin into a dizzy into a dizzying blur. As your surroundings come back into focus, a frigid blast of air tears past you, its deadly chill effortlessly penetrating your layered attire. Much to your astonishment, you're standing atop a towering snow capped pillar of stone in what appears to be a massive tavern. The vastness of the cave the ceiling of which is perhaps a hundred feet above, almost defies description. Moving carefully to the edge of the, of the lofty perch, which is no more than a dozen feet across, you peer down into the base of the obelisk. Nearly two hundred feet below, the, pil- the pillar rises out, out of the churning sea of dark water. Struggling to make sense of your newfound surroundings, you cast your gaze about the cavern. Note that it contains countless other snow-capped pillars, nearly identical to the one on which you are standing. Narrow wooden bridges, their planks bound by thick ropes that attach to iron posts protruding from the frozen tops of the pillars, connects the innumerable columns, creating a lofty maze of precarious paths that span the mammoth chamber. So this, this is a, it's a regular dungeon now. You're in a massive cavern atop a snow-capped column that rises out of an icy, raging sea far below. A dilapidated wooden bridge to the east extends from the edge of this pillar to the top of an adjacent stone column. Now, we're drawing closer to the end of this really long adventure but we're drawing we're drawing very close to the hour mark and if we go through this this thing face the end we we finish the adventure we'll, we'll go way over an hour so for now we will stop and next time We'll finally complete conclude in bleakest winter, or I'll die on the way. It could be either. But either way, until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.